Hello, it's Nat here. I'm really excited for you to hear this episode that I recorded with Tammy, who is a colleague of mine, a fertility awareness educator trained in multiple methods of fertility awareness. And in this conversation, we talk about Tammy's experience in different teacher training scenarios. And we also talk about her personal experience charting for 15 years with fertility awareness from infertility to trying to avoid. So a lived experience across many different fertility intentions. Listen all the way to the end of the episode because Tammy and I have a really exciting and special announcement about a program that we have been working behind the scenes on for a while now, and it's a six-month training for fertility awareness educators. So please listen to the end of the episode. I'm really excited for you to hear finally what we have been working on, and I'll also be sharing about a really fun workshop that we're doing at the end of this episode. All right, settle in, grab your favorite beverage, and enjoy my conversation with Tammy. Welcome to Fertility Awareness Project. I'm your host, Nat Dode. To start, Tammy, do you want to just let us know what day of your cycle you're on and how you're feeling today? (laughs) I am towards the end of my cycle. And honestly, I was having which now that I'm in premenopause is towards the end means I'm on cycle day 22. And like that's towards the end, my cycles have been squished and squished and squished. But yeah, for me, I don't know, I was having mixed feelings about this because I was like, usually I feel kind of blah towards the end of my cycle. But also, um, I tend to be a little bit more reflective and I don't know, more insightful towards the end. So I'm hoping that's what comes out, the reflectiveness and yeah, insightfulness, but we'll see. (laughs) So you have a shorter cycle and day 22 is kind of like nearing the end of your cycle, which Mm -hmm. typically wasn't normal for you. And you're kind of hoping to like receive the insights and reflectiveness that come with that, that last little bit of your cycle. Yeah. It can, yeah, it can kind of go either way (laughs) with premenopause. Yeah. I definitely hear that. (laughs) I can relate to that, to that, like fine balance kind of the week leading up to my bleed where it's just like, yeah, feeling really grounded and reflective and beautiful and like really connected. And then also feeling incredibly unpredictable too. (laughs) (laughs) So I wanted to ask you about your fam story and kind of what led you to fertility awareness and what were kind of the highlights in when you look back and kind of place yourself where you are now, when you look back, what were the key moments in your fertility awareness journey? Oh, goodness. Okay. So If people don't know, I have a larger family. Uh, I have six children. And so like a lot of people, I don't know, they're, I guess it makes them nervous to like when they hear about that, because they're like, I'm supposed to be working with you to avoid pregnancy. I'm like, this looks like a a lot of not avoiding pregnancy. So, but actually before I had gave birth to my oldest child, we ended up with having three years of infertility and that during that time was for sort of my first very small introduction to anything fertility charting. Like I had had a doctor once mention in passing to chart my basal body temperature. And that's pretty much all the only information I was given. Like I wasn't even given information of how to evaluate that information or like best practices about when to do that. Or like looking back now, I'm like, how do you just say that to somebody and just be like, go on your way. So kind of like, good luck. Yeah. So, and that, and yeah, and it was just an awful introduction. Cause like, you know, I got enough information to figure out that I'm supposed to take it upon waking, but like, this is through, you know, infertility and just, I, I hated charting at that time. I hated, you know, I couldn't wake up on time to take it and I didn't have the presence of mind to write it down on a piece of paper. Cause like this is before apps and all the digital thermometers that connect with your phone or anything was a thing. And so, yeah. And like, 
and I would, I would try to do that and then still not get pregnant. And it was just, yeah, it was a really frustrating experience. And so through all of that, you know, I ended up having a miscarriage and we were about to pursue adoption. And then we ended up surprisingly to me and to both of us pregnant. And I had my first child and I actually had a rather traumatic birth experience with him. And so even though I had like this long infertility experience before him, I was like terrified to get pregnant again at that time. And I ended up going on hormonal birth control. Like even though like I had that history, like I was so afraid of getting pregnant again. Like I thought like, I, I don't know what to do. And this is the only thing people are offering me. And so I went on the depot shot, actually, and yeah, hindsight is lovely looking back at that, and took one shot and decided, you know, this is not for me, and decided not to do the next shot, and listened to what I was being told and thought, okay, that, you, you know, I don't need to take another shot and my fertility will return. No, well, then it was like nine months off of the shot before I got pregnant again. And so, but I'm not connecting all of these possible things. Like for me, it just seems like, oh, it just takes us a while to get pregnant. And that's just how we work, like my husband and I. And so, you know, I got, when I gave birth to my second, you know, we didn't, we decided not to do any kind of birth control or anything like that. Cause you know, it takes us a while. It won't, you know, won't be anything. Well, then I ended up getting pregnant at four months postpartum after my second birth. And I was just like, what is going on? Like, it was so frustrating. And like that, that for me, like that was the big moment where I was like, I don't care what it is. I got to figure it out. And so mm-hmm. thankfully, like, you know, the internet was kind of enough of a thing where there had sort of been mom's groups forming and things like that. And you could make those kind of connections. So like, even if like your local circle didn't know something, you had a little bit of a wider circle to kind of figure these things out. Somebody recommended the book, Taking Charge of Your Fertility. And serendipitously, I looked on my local Craigslist and somebody was selling it for 10 bucks. And I was like, locally, and I went and got the book and like blew through it in a weekend. And after I got you know, finish the book, I was like, all I could think is like, I have to find an instructor. I'm like, there's no way I can teach this to my husband. I'm not sure if I can do this myself without an instructor. Like all I knew is I had to find an instructor. And I was like, and then that was a whole thing as well. Cause like, again, this is, wasn't, wasn't a time where there were online classes or anything like that. So I ended up finding a local Catholic couple that were um, a part of the couple couple league And I took a CCL class while I was still pregnant with my third. And that was a a really nice experience. It was really fascinating. Their their approach has a lot of Catholic doctrine infused in the course. And so my husband and I are not Catholic. We're um, Christian, but we're not Catholic. And so it was interesting to take the course and kind of hear that perspective. But yeah, I wouldn't say it was you know, a perfect fit for us, but it was nice that they were very nice. And I learned a lot in that course. But we took the course while I was pregnant. And so once I gave birth, uh, I don't know, this is hindsight and everything. And I, I think I didn't reach out to, you know, the woman, the couple who was my instructor postpartum. And I don't know that there wasn't much hand holding. And so basically, I ended up charting very poorly for a little bit and using uh, ecological breastfeeding to space children. But really, that whole experience for like going through infertility and then going through what felt like hyperfertility and learning about fertility awareness. For me, you know, all of those things together kind of made me, I don't know, more relaxed to the possibility of more children and more open to that idea than I had been essentially when we first got married. And so I didn't mind natural spacing. It worked well for me. And so the, my next three kids were, are like, (laughs) they're all March birthdays, you know, they're all pretty much two years spaced apart. I charted some between my, before my fourth and fifth children were born. And then between my fifth and sixth, you know, I was just like, I'm not charting any and we just use ecological breastfeeding completely before my sixth. And then after my sixth, 
you know, we decided we wanted to pause for a little while. And I don't know, for my husband and I, we've never been strictly avoiding or strictly trying to conceive. It's always somewhere in the middle for us. But we kind of wanted to approach things more from a avoiding perspective. And so we used lactation amenorrhea for the first six months. And then we used intercourse dependent birth control options. And then I got kind of more serious about charting and charting allowed us to basically find more days that we could have completely unprotected sex and, you know, didn't have to use uh, an intercourse dependent birth control option. We did that for, yeah, about eight years. And then now, I don't know, we, we've had discussions on and off. And now uh, I think we're, we're back to just sort of being relaxed and open to whatever happens. But, you know, we both recognize that we're in a state of life where it is much, much less likely that anything would happen. Like I wouldn't choose this relaxed approach if you were very serious about um, needing to avoid. But, you know, that's the beauty of fertility awareness. You don't have to be like 100% this or 100% that. There's so much gray area in the middle and fam, you know, can definitely meet you where you are. So that's where I am at the moment. It truly is the beauty of fertility awareness is that instead of being absolutely in the dark, where when you were talking about kind of the beginning of your journey, where you were swinging from like infertility to hyperfertility, and you're like, what the heck is going on? Fertility awareness really allowed you to have that sense of control and like kind of shed light on what was happening instead of feeling completely in the dark. And so it sounds like you have lived in and felt and embodied pretty much every spectrum of the fertility intention scale, which I think is super fascinating. And I think we often think of the fertility intention scale as this static scale where you sit on one point and you don't move. And that is going to kind of determine your, yeah, your intentions, your behavior. Whereas when I hear you speak, it really emphasizes how that fertility intention scale is this living, breathing experience that can give voice to where you're at, but it's constantly changing. So I wonder kind of what your, what was going through your mind or what were some of the questions you asked yourself when you were navigating these different uh, intentions, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think for me, like a question that I, you know, I, I like to run what if scenarios in my head and, you know, like, and I think clarifying question for me is like, okay, if I found out I'm pregnant today, like what's my immediate gut reaction? Am I happy? Am I terrified? Am I, you know, and like, like that immediate gut reaction, like that's the thing to get curious about. That's the thing to get to dig into. Cause I mean, it, it doesn't mean that, you know, if you would feel scared if you got pregnant today that you you can't be, you know, trying to conceive or open to a pregnancy. But that is something to definitely be curious about and to think through, okay, what what are some fears I need to dig through and what are, you know, where where is this coming from? I love and, that. Yeah. Yeah. And the other way around, like, you know, if you're going to be devastated by, set, you know, you feel this secret sadness every time you know, you get your period and you're like, oh, how, you know, and secretly I wish it failed. You know, what, let's dig into that. Like where, what things in your life might need to change for you to feel secure if you want to, you know, move forward with that. Yeah. 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 How do you feel once your period arrives? Do you feel relieved or do you feel a sense of sadness? And like, I feel like that's a really, really good clue as to where your intentions are. And it doesn't have to be you know, right now I want a baby, but you can kind of file that away as information or a conversation to have that can shed a lot of light because that gut feeling is going to, isn't going to (laughs) lie. How do you think that your experience has shaped you as a fertility awareness educator? Like when you're working with clients, what do you think your strengths are uh, when it comes to teaching and when it comes to your expertise? I mostly work with women who kind of have more difficult cycle patterns, and most of the women I work with are charting to avoid. And so, I don't know, this is kind of, for 
for those charters in that situation, it's really frustrating because a lot of the things that, you know, you might read in a book or something like that of this is the textbook pattern of how simple it's supposed to be to fertility chart and you just do this, this and this. They're like, my body is not read the textbook. My body is not cooperating with whatever the textbook says it's supposed to do. And so navigating that, I don't know, I have, I have a lot of compassion for that space and that frustration. I also have a lot of compassion for, you got a lot going on in your life. Like I have a lot of children and so I have a lot of compassion for, sometimes it can be really hard to kind of go through, you know, a book or something like that and, you know, just trying to teach yourself. So my approach to when I'm working with somebody one-to-one is just show up to the meeting. Like everything, everything you can learn, we're going to learn in the meeting. And I don't expect you to do a lot of homework. Like your quote homework is basically just keeping up with your chart, like learning to keep up with your chart. That's your homework. Everything else is just come to the meeting and, you know, we can learn about everything we need to learn about, you know, when we're meeting. Cause you know, think about like, uh, postpartum women, they have a newborn that's, you know, maybe up at night or like nursing all night. And, you know, then you're supposed to get up and do some kind of course or something like that during the day. Like really just show up to the meeting, have a conversation and we can walk through everything you need to know. And like, that's sort of my mindset and how I approach learning a fertility awareness-based method. Yeah, I really, really love that. I just think of all of the babies that have come to sessions, fertility awareness sessions that I've had. And it's like, yeah, you really, I've, I've never been pregnant or in post, been in postpartum, but it really gives me a good sense of like how much a postpartum mom has on their plate. And like charting is just like one more thing. And so like, how can we make it as simple as possible? It's like just showing up is enough and you're already doing an amazing job by being here you don't need to feel like even more inadequate or like even more hard on yourself than you can already be as a as a new mom so i really like that simple approach to charting and also like there's so many different ways to learn fertility awareness i think that really speaks to how important it is to find a way to learn that fits your life some people might have the time and space to self-teach Others might want to and have the space and time to do a fertility awareness course with a group of people that's really in depth and covers a lot of different topics. And others might just want to really get right to it and have charting under their belt so that they can attend to other things in their lives that are more important. So I really, really love that. I was thinking, as you were talking about that, I was thinking another thing that's kind of, I don't know, become a big thing for me is that giving people the tools to chart through life and life is imperfect. So like, you know, some days we will miss charting our basal body temperature. Like, you know, even if we have a wearable or anything like that, that makes it simpler, some days we're going to miss or some days, you know, you're going to go on a really long car ride where you haven't gotten up and walked around any, and you're really unsure if this might I've been sitting all day and I've pretty much been sitting all day and then gone to bed if my cervical mucus observation for the day is like really that reliable, like real life happens. And so I'm personally a big fan of giving women cross checks and tools so that even when like this one thing is not perfect, they have enough information overall on their chart to make sense of it. And basically it's this idea of kind of looking for preponderance of the evidence and thinking of their chart as, you know, data to what is this data telling me rather than what for me feels like rather dogmatic of like, oh, you just, you missed a day and well, I guess you're abstaining the rest of your chart. Like, <laughs> like I, I, that, that is not typically how I like, there is definitely a point where you don't have enough data to have unprotected sex, but the idea is like, it's not just one day it's going to kill your whole chart or anything like that. Exactly. I think that's a huge, huge strength of working with a fertility awareness educator is you start to have the tools to actually use fertility awareness in real life and understand how much data you need. And to also, like you said, use cross checks, additional biomarkers to know where you are in your fertile window, know when ovulation is happening or has happened. 
and to really apply it to real life. Because I feel like that is the difference between having kind of a baseline knowledge of fertility awareness and really mastering fertility awareness is being able to really apply it and, and understand what to do in scenarios where you might, yeah, you might not have that data in what do you do? And do you have enough information to rely on the method for birth control that cycle? So I really, really love that. What are some things that have come up for you navigating Catholic natural family planning and fertility awareness spaces as someone who's Christian, but not Catholic? So probably kind of the, the main, I don't know, elephant in the room is discussion of intercourse dependent birth control options, you know, like condoms or cervical barriers or things like that. So a lot of fertility awareness-based methods, their research comes out of Catholic organizations who have funded this research and done the studies and all of that lovely stuff. And I am extremely grateful for that knowledge and that knowledge base to be there. But from my perspective, you know, I don't have this anything morally against the use of intercourse-dependent birth control options. And so, you know, if a client tells me they want to use condoms, for example, in the fertile window, like this is not, you know, a question of um, morality or anything like that. It's, you know, simple. We're talking about effectiveness or uh, how it impacts charting cervical mucus or things like that. That's what we're addressing when we're talking about it. And a lot of times in Catholic spaces, those discussions are shut down immediately because it's quote, not part of the method, you know, it's not studied or things like that. And so like, you know, you can't even have those conversations. And so it's really frustrating because there are real people out there that are, you know, fine with the effectiveness of condoms overall. They're basically using fertility awareness-based methods to find times in their cycles when they do not have to use condoms, which I think is a completely valid way to use fertility awareness. And, you know, we're just sort of dismissing that this whole group of women. And for me, like, you know, I, I would like to (laughs) serve this group and like basically people who are not okay with hormonal birth control, not okay with IUD and what options, you know, what safe, healthy options are available to you and kind of help them navigate that space. And it's sometimes kind of tricky to kind of have those conversations in Catholic circles because, you know, the conversation just gets shut down. It's like, this is not part of the method. This is not studied. You know, we don't talk about that. Yeah. I, um, there's a lot there. (laughs) (laughs) So as someone who, so I grew up, I didn't go to church. I didn't really step foot into a church until I went to high school and I went to a Christian middle school and high school and like a fairly open-minded school, but that was kind of my first introduction to Christianity, really like growing up, we celebrated Christmas and like, I knew what Easter was, but like, I had never cracked open a Bible before. I didn't really, didn't really know anyone who was Christian or went to church uh, or had like strong faith in that space. So my eyes were kind of open when I went to middle school, high school was really interested in learning about religion and and kind of understanding what that was like to kind of grow up going to church and everything like that. And then when I took a fertility awareness course, I took it from Serena Canada, which is a natural family planning organization, the Centrothermal kind of like couple to couple league method. And I was really confused because (laughs) I had never really understood that in the Catholic faith, barrier methods were not morally okay. And so I was going to the seminar learning about fertility awareness, but there was this whole, like you said, this elephant in the room that wasn't really spoken about, but was assumed. And so I came out of the course and I was just like, honestly really confused and it was only when I understood that there were secular areas of fertility awareness that there was a distinction between natural family planning and secular fertility awareness that I started to go okay like that is why 
certain conversations were not had. That is why things were assumed. And it was like everything fell into place in my mind. And since then, through taking the Billings training, I have really struggled with the same thing that you were just talking about, which is like, how can we understand the science and appreciate all the research that's gone in from the Catholic perspective, but apply it to different life circumstances? And can we even do that? And how does that work? And how do we like kind of pair the two? And it's like a constant conversation that, that we have to have because, because yeah, it's real. (laughs) It's challenging. I would love to hear. So there's like, there are Catholics who practice natural family planning. There are people who use fertility awareness who maybe don't identify as Christian. And then there is another group of people of people who are Christian but not Catholic practicing fertility awareness. What are, I don't know, maybe what are the assumptions or what are the things that are important to talk about when we think about kind of that third group of people who use fertility awareness? So within the circle of like Christian, but not Catholic, usually intercourse dependent birth control options are perfectly acceptable to them. And so in general, they're not interested in abstaining for the whole fertile window. So like in general, these are religious people. They're usually going to be married, you know, in a married stable relationships when they're having sex. And so they might be, even if they're avoiding, they're typically higher on the intention scale. And a lot of intercourse dependent birth control options are the effectiveness of them is perfectly acceptable. So like when we're, even when we're talking about effectiveness, yes, Abstaining in the fertile window is the most effective way to practice a fertility awareness-based method. But again, as our whole intention scale discussion talks about, like it's not this on-off switch. And so if using an intercourse-dependent birth control method like condoms during the fertile window is an acceptable level of effectiveness, then I, I feel like we need to meet those clients where they are and help them manage their fertility in a way that works for them and is in alignment with their morals and you know how they want to practice their life. And you know if we're not, I feel like we're, we're doing the same things that doctor's offices are doing when they won't tell people about fertility awareness-based methods. You know, we're just closing doors and being unnecessary gatekeepers. Mm, yeah, I just want to echo back what you just said about being unnecessary gatekeepers when we omit information or fail to have conversations or fail to offer information we are essentially doing that that same thing and I think there is this fear that underlies those spaces where it's like we can't even talk about it you know and and I think when we don't talk about something we actually create more fear and more misinformation and potentially create more harm because if you don't even open the conversation how do you even know to ask those questions and so that's kind of that's kind of the crux of like (laughs) this tension and it's also for me really hard to sometimes talk about because it's like you know folks who are catholic who practice natural family planning that is their you know that is their like i want to say right or like they're allowed to do that and they should be able to do that freely. And like they, if that's right. what they want to do, that's. And as an instructor, okay. like be mindful of, you know, the religious and cultural background of your client. Like if your client is Muslim, don't keep recommending all these bleeding days that they can have sex. That's against their religion. Like don't like listen to them and meet them where they are and give them solutions that work with their, you know, framework, where their point of view. And, you know, if you have a Catholic client, do not recommend condoms. They're, that's not okay. So, I mean, like, it, it's this whole world of being mindful of who you're working with and meeting what their specific needs are. Yeah, and it's just about being really, being a fertility awareness educator who is non-judgmental and open and supportive of your client's decisions. And I think that people can sense when they are safe with you to have certain conversations and to be that person who, yeah, is like the safe, open adult to have these conversations with that, you know, as teenagers, we were never allowed to have, or there was never anybody we could go and, and where no question is off limits. 
and while also respecting where our clients are coming from and understanding that cultural and religious context as well. That's really, really important. And also to, I also talk about with people who are looking for fertility awareness educators, how important it is to know where your instructor is coming from. Like even if they are non-judgmental, kind, caring instructor, it's important to also know if your instructor teaches those teachings around marriage and sex, if they're coming from a Catholic perspective, that that's going to be woven into the instruction. That's also really important to know, because I think that be, that these conversations, because the door isn't open to talk about them, sometimes that information isn't super obvious. And so sometimes you do have to ask, you know, like, what method are you teaching? Are you instructing with teachings around marriage and sex from a Catholic perspective? Like, what are your thoughts on this? Just having those conversations before you start working with someone, because it has to be, it has to be a good fit. Yes. And it's both things kind of instructors being like really upfront about like, I, you know, I try to be really upfront that I'm Christian because I know, you know, that that's a stumbling block for some people with working with people. And I've I've definitely worked with non-Christian clients, but I totally get like, if that's not the space you want to work in and you don't want to work with somebody with that perspective. I get it. And I try to be upfront with people so that they know what they're, they're getting into. And also knowing yourself and knowing when I took the couple of couple league class with my husband, I honestly didn't feel like I was anywhere near being converted to Catholicism. I just thought it's interesting. It's interesting to learn. And like, I could approach it in that sort of space of, you know, this is interesting to learn about, you know, and I've taken, you know, a Muslim, a course that weaves Muslim teachings into doula and childbirth education. And uh, the same, I really enjoyed the course, thought it was fascinating and, you know, took it from that perspective. However, you got to know yourself and know if you can go through that. And even if like the course, I am Christian, but the course I teach is pretty secular. I, you know, I don't have Christian seating in my course, although I'm aware of clients who come to me that are Christians or anything like that. And I don't mind them using that sort of language or whatever religion. I don't mind people talking about that. However, knowing my perspective, you know, I'm Christian, I'm pro-life, knowing those things about me, married with a lot of kids, you know, I don't don't mind people self-selecting and saying, yeah, I don't know if this is a good fit for me. You know, that is perfectly reasonable. It's just a really intimate relationship. And yeah, it's okay to be picky. It is an intimate relationship. And there are so many fertility awareness educators out there from different backgrounds and beliefs. And I think it really comes down to finding, yeah, someone who's the right fit for you and shopping around a little bit and just asking those questions and finding someone you really jive with. Because that is like, when you talk about the effectiveness of therapy, I don't remember what percentage of it 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 is, but a high percentage of the success rate is dependent on the relationship. And it goes for fertility awareness educators too. Like the method has to be a right fit, but Also, the relationship has to be a right fit, too. So you can get a really good sense for somebody by, yeah, listening to podcast episodes or going on their website or going on social media if they have it and just really kind of getting a sense for who they are. And that will give you that will give you the affirmation that you need or give you the information that maybe it isn't a right fit. products have been a part of my everyday self-care for a long time now. I love Mod because they create high quality, non-toxic, and modern sexual wellness and personal care products. My favorites from them are Shine, which is a water-based lubricant, and Rise, which is their high quality ultra-thin condoms. To get $5 off your next order, use code NAT5 at checkout when you go to getmod.com. Can you talk about your experience kind of training as a fertility awareness educator? I know a lot of people who listen to the podcast are fertility awareness educators or are thinking about becoming fertility awareness educators. Can you walk us through what that process looked like for you and what you kind of learned throughout taking multiple teacher trainings? Sure. Okay. So 
basically after the birth of my sixth child and, you know, eventually I kind of got more serious about charting and realized I didn't mention this earlier, but I actually um, decided to work with an instructor again. And I was kind of curious about different methods out there. And one that I wasn't really familiar with was a method that used hormone testing. So the clear blue fertility monitor. So I decided to work with Boston Crosscheck instructor for a year to kind of learn that and get a sense of, you know, I'd gotten more interested in charting groups and sort of that world. And I was kind of getting an inkling that, you know, I wanted to pursue some sort of training. And so I was kind of looking at different methods and comparing different methods at this time. And that that was one that I didn't have a lot of you know, there weren't a lot of resources to read about it. And, you know, I didn't have personal experience about it. So I did that and kind of got experience with the hormone testing thing. And so that kind of led me to discover FEM. FEM's protocol is different from Boston Trostec, but they also use hormone testing. And I like that, you know, at least they, they're established as a secular non-Catholic organization. And so that was something that was kind of important to me because I knew I would be working with my connections were in a lot of non-Catholic circles. So I wanted a method that, you know, didn't feel heavy with sort of Catholic doctrine or anything like that. So I went through FEM training, really love their teaching approach that emphasizes hormones and kind of connecting what you're charting with what your hormones are doing. However, they are an approach that charts cervical mucus and LH test, and they, you know, they don't have a protocol for basal body temperature charting. And so I, I felt honestly conflicted in that area and, you know, wanted to go through a symptothermal method training. And I was living overseas at the time, actually, in Saudi Arabia. And so for me, like, I, you know, I didn't feel like I had to look at, you know, American organizations or anything like that. And I found this organization based in Switzerland, the Symptotherm Foundation. And I really liked their basal body temperature protocol. And it just, it clicked with me and I really liked it. And so I decided to do training with them as well. And so I kind of had, um, I felt like I was kind of pulling pieces together. And then one of the pieces that felt like it wasn't quite clicking was that there was a lot I liked about FEM and especially from a charting for health perspective, really like their protocol, but I felt uneasy about it, especially with more difficult cycle patterns. Like I felt like it just left me with more questions than answers, and it ended up, if applied strictly, a lot of, there's a lot more abstaining than is biologically possible. I'm like, you know, you're, you're not potentially fertile for three months straight. Like, that's not biologically possible. So, like, I wanted a method that could kind of make more sense of large swaths of ambiguity. And that sort of interest sort of led me to find Billings. And I've really enjoyed the Billings training and sort of just getting in there in the weeds of these messy cycles and f learning how to make sense of them. Like the Billings approach to a basic and fertile pattern is fabulous and highly recommend it. And so I really like that. And so here I am, I have all of these different pieces pulled together. And if I taught any of these methods strictly, like strictly under the method umbrella, like, again, I feel like I'm restricted in what information I give. I feel like I'm restricted in gatekeeping and that I, I'm like, oh, you didn't have a peak according to the Billings method. I'm like, well, basal body temperature would clarify that. Or, you know, adding LH testing might clarify what's going on a little bit. But like, if I'm, if I have on my Billings instructor hat, like, I, I feel like I can't recommend that and be in alignment with what they want me to teach. So ultimately, I decided I'm like, you know what, I know all of these things. And I'm fine. I'm just going to offer people the option to work with me outside of any of these methods. And I will pull in all the evidence-based information that I know, and I will share it with you. And I will give you my, you know, best practice recommendations. And we can approach it that way. And like you, we pull in basically a customized cross-check approach. And 
Yeah. And that's kind of like the sort of niche area that I work in is, is this no man's land that people don't want to go in, but like, I love it (laughs) that, you know, I, I get to like pull in all of these bits of information that I'm learning that are evidence-based that are research-based then, and, and that I'm like, you can layer these things on together, but yeah, so that's kind of where I am now in my big happy place that I like working. I think that where you've kind of landed is really common for a lot of people who've certified in a method and then they start teaching and they're like, I have questions. How do I navigate this scenario? How do I, you know, how do I navigate applying or adding other biomarkers without sacrificing efficacy? And so I think that when we go into a fertility awareness teacher training, we have all these ideas of how it's going to look when we're teaching fertility awareness. And we think that we're going to maybe teach a certain method and then we finish a teacher training. And sometimes we're left with more questions around how we can actually use this in real life, how we could incorporate other biomarkers, how we could address cycles that are non-textbook, because as we know, A lot of cycles are not beautiful textbook cycles. So I think that what you're, the questions that you've asked are also questions that a lot of people ask themselves when they finish a training. And it sounds like you've created a really unique approach. And I know that you've said before that when you're, so for example, with billings, if you're teaching billings, you need to teach the billings method and use the billings language. And, and there's a really strict protocol with billings to adhere to the method. So what I've heard you say is that when you're under the umbrella of a certain method, you stick to that method. But when you're teaching your custom approach, you're not saying that you're teaching billings or you're teaching FEM or whatever. Is that kind of accurate? Exactly, exactly. I'm, I'm pulling information, evidence based information from these different approaches. And I'll even say like, this is what FEM teaches, this is what Billings teaches. But this is like when I'm teaching a a custom cross check approach, like I try to be really clear and upfront that, you know, this is not like under an official method umbrella. We're pulling evidence-based information from lots of places. And you prob- there, there's not going to be like this one magical study that pulls in all of these biomarkers and all of these protocols exactly as we pull together here. I can show you, you know, the evidence for this protocol and the evidence for this protocol. And you're layering those things together. And we can reasonably assume like that the effectiveness is the same as them individually. But, you know, you got to make informed choices. And so like, that's the big emphasis that I try to do when I'm working with people is just helping them make informed choices and opening up options rather than acting like they don't exist. Yes. And this is leading us really well into another conversation that we're going to have, Tammy. So stick around if you're listening, but I want to ask you one final question before we move into our next topic. What does body literacy mean to you? It's informed decision-making. Like, I think for me, I, 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 this question kind of goes over and over in my head because like I've used fertility awareness-based methods for, goodness, like 15 years now. And so like, it's just this big, normal part of my life. And like, I think it's akin to like nowadays, like, you you know, you just have your phone and you can check your messages and things like, like, it's just this information that's there and you use it to just go about your normal life. And what's weird for me is I kind of, you know, I'm nearing the end of my fertility charting life my ovulating life towards menopause is that in some ways I'm looking forward to it. Like I think of it like second life (laughs) is this, you know, opens up possibilities for different things. But in another way, I don't know, like it's, it's bittersweet for me because I no longer will have this sort of big information piece that sort of, you know, I've learned to live in the rhythm of my natural fertility for so long that it'll be weird when it's, you know, it's not cyclical anymore. So yeah. And, and, but yeah, it's all about informed decision-making and it's just information that, you know, infused so many aspects of my life. That's beautifully put. Thank you for sharing your perspective, Tammy. 
Okay, let's shift gears. I think you set us up really well for talking about how fertility knowledge collectives emerged and diving more into this idea of best practice versus mixing methods, adding in more information, more evidence-based biomarkers to make informed decision-making and how we'll be kind of teaching that to people who have gone through teacher training? Well, for me, the whole fertility knowledge collective thing kind of came out of this desire of like, I knew I was doing a thing that was really helping people. Like it was really clarifying their cycles and they were having, you know, I I had met people who had method shopped and all these different methods and they're just having trouble kind of putting it all together. And like, they're like, finally, somebody who will say, talk about all the things. And so I'm like, I know I'm meeting a need and I feel like other people need to be able to do this. And I wanted to open up that possibility for other instructors to be able to have those conversations. Cause I know they're getting asked those questions. They're getting asked about, okay, what, what about this other cross check? What about this piece of femtech? Or I read this thing that says you should chart this way or something like that. Like, I know they're getting asked those questions. And so, you know, I want them to be able to have those conversations with those with their clients and to be able to kind of open up options and be able to use that information when their client charts this to make a more, you know, informed assessment on the charts. And so that was kind of my motivation of like, okay, you know, how can I pass along this information that, you know, I feel like I've dug up and gleaned here and there and just all of my obsessive geeky rabbit trail (laughs) reading and research that I I seem to naturally do but yeah (laughs) mic drop (laughs) okay well let's just take it from there so yeah you were talking about your whole journey going through learning fertility awareness and then taking these different teacher trainings and coming up with a math, I don't want to say method, but coming up with approach. A, coming up with an approach to meet the needs of your clients that works really well. And having an answer to this question of what to do with these multiple methods and multiple biomarkers and approaching things from this best practice approach of giving people the information. So giving clients the information, if they don't meet a billings peak, for example, of adding in other biomarkers to have more information. And that works really well for people who we work with. And I do the same thing. Like I, I've trained in FEM, I'm training in billings, but I don't teach exactly FEM. And I think that a lot of people have this question of like, how do I go forward? How do I actually teach fertility awareness, knowing what I know and knowing that these other biomarkers are there? How do I actually use those biomarkers with my clients? How do I have these conversations? And so Tammy, I think you approached me and were wondering if I would be interested in developing some sort of resource for fertility awareness educators to talk about how to have critical thinking skills and how to have conversations around intentions and how to incorporate other biomarkers when working with fertility awareness clients. And so we were kind of talking about it and we are in the process of developing a six month program for fertility awareness educators called Fertility Knowledge Collective. And we are putting together all that we know and have learned about not only teaching fertility awareness, working with clients and having those conversations, but how to actually use protocols, how to use cross-checks to get more information about somebody's fertility status in cases where things might not be so clear or in cases where things are clear, but somebody just wants to have that additional information. Right. And, and the whole idea is, is like, these are options and to know whether this option makes sense or not and things like that. Like, 
you know, like if you're thinking, they're thinking, should I add in the clear blue fertility monitor to my charting regimen? Well, what are they already charting? Is this duplicating information they already have? Or is this adding clarity of, okay, I don't know about this hormone. Is there a better way to get this information? You know, answering, being able to answer those kinds of questions is so helpful and like so great when you're like looking at a chart. Uh, I was thinking about what you were saying about, like, I approached you first. You were actually, uh, I was in a conversation with uh, another friend about this and like, you know, she's been nudging me to, she's like, you, you really should make some sort of course for instructors. They would love this. And I've, you know, been putting it off for a while. And she mentioned you and I thought, you know what, she, she's the perfect person. Cause like, I've seen your stuff and like, the thing I, I so resonate with your stuff is like this calm openness and like that for me, I'm like my people, this is my people. <laughs> and so like, I, I know we don't like agree on everything. We certainly, you know, we aren't like this little clone of each other, but I, I think in how we approach fertility awareness and how, you know, we love our clients and try to meet our clients needs. Like I feel really connected to you. And like that, that's one of the reasons where I was like, okay, maybe she'll work with me and maybe we can figure this out. And <laughs> Yeah, I definitely feel similarly about you, Tammy. I think what I'm drawn to about you is your, I mean, your extensive knowledge and expertise and lived experience through a whole bunch of different fertility and reproductive stages that I've never experienced. And also your curiosity really resonates with me because I think that, like you said, we might not agree on every single thing, but I think we can have these conversations and actually together offer a richer perspective because of our own experiences. And I really value that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the trust to open up these difficult conversations and have these difficult conversations in a civil way Yes, so much that, yes. <laughs> and something we've been talking about a lot as we've been developing this program is having conversations about biomarkers and talking about reliability of biomarkers that we can look at all of this, we can look at the menu of options of biomarkers. So information that our body is giving us about fertility and ovulation and we can assess their reliability and we can assess whether they would be a good fit for a particular client or a particular situation and it's that whole thing we were talking about before about gatekeeping and it's like we don't have to keep this information from our clients but if we don't know how they work, if we don't have a protocol or understand how to use these biomarkers, then we are out of luck, right? We are not able to offer that to our clients. So with knowledge and with understanding the evidence and research behind these biomarkers and with us sharing how we use them with our clients, we can actually give our clients or you can give your clients more information and make better decisions about fertility and about intentions when using fertility awareness. So that's what we're really trying to do with Fertility Knowledge Collective is just share about these different biomarkers, about their reliability and how they tell the story of our fertility, how they kind of play into understanding ovulation and then really give you the protocols and tools and everything that we know about them so that you can actually use them with your clients. Yes, definitely. It's just opening up options that, you know, for you to be able to understand their charts better and for them to be able to have options to chart and to knowing like all of these different biomarkers and what they're telling you about hormones and what they're not telling you about hormones is so useful because like if you're charting 
you know, a set of biomarkers and they're basically duplicating the same hormone. Like maybe you, you have information about estrogen and LH, but you're not charting anything that gives you information about progesterone. Like that's when you need that information to be really get the full picture of the cycle. So just because you're adding on biomarkers, if they're telling you information about the same hormones, you're not getting extra information. So knowing those distinctions is so valuable and helping your client to make really informed decisions about cross checks and what to chart. Yes, exactly. And what we're doing is we are basically filling in the gaps of what we wish we would have learned in going through teacher training and also coming out and actually working with people and saying like, how do I navigate this charting scenario that is completely out of what we talked about in our teacher training? Like, who do I go to, to ask these questions? And so part of Fertility Knowledge Collective is having a place to go where we can actually talk about challenging charting scenarios and we can talk to other fertility awareness educators and actually open up that conversation instead of feeling like we are in these isolated little bubbles and we can't talk to each other. It is like this safe circle where we can go and learn and ask questions and become better fertility awareness educators because we have that information and knowledge, which is something that is incredibly valuable. I mean, really like in any other profession, you have a community or you have people you can go to, to, to talk to about these things. But I feel like with fertility awareness education, that is often missing because we're really like pioneers in this space. Like we're really trying to figure out and pave the way and, and kind of, you know, do things that have never been done before. So that's what I really see this being is like a supportive place where we can learn, but also have that place to go when we have questions or have doubts or have situations that we don't feel like we've gotten all the information to navigate. So much this. Yes. And yeah, that's one of the things I'm most excited about is the community that um, I hope we're forming here and, you know, where to grow from here. Like that for me, this is absolutely a starting point and to open up possibilities. And, you know, I, I want to draw in a community and kind of see where people's needs are and kind of work from there. Yeah. Very excited about where this is going. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So for the Fertility Knowledge Collective will be opening on April 11th. And the Fertility Knowledge Collective is for fertility awareness educators. It is the program that Tammy and I wished we had when we started out teaching fertility awareness and actually working with clients with real world charting scenarios that we did not feel like we had the skills to handle. And so we are really excited to bring this training to you. Again, enrollment will be opening on April 11th. Also on April 11th, we are going to be hosting a very fun workshop, something that we've never done before. We're going to be taking some real live client charts and we're going to be hosting a live interactive workshop we're going to be examining these real world fertility awareness charts and we're going to be talking through key points in each chart to pay attention to. We're going to share the questions that we ask our clients when we're clarifying charts in uh, chart review sessions with our own clients. And we'll also be talking about potential other fertility biomarkers that we would use to give more context to these charts. So it's going to be 
a really hands-on, a really interactive, a really uh, rich workshop where we're going to be talking about and exploring how we actually have chart reviews with our clients. And we're going to be picking especially complex or tricky charts where we do actually have to investigate and use our critical thinking skills and ask questions to our clients to clarify what is going on in the chart. So if you are interested in joining us for this workshop, we would love to see you there. If you are a fertility awareness educator, we're going to be hosting this on April 11th at 10 a.m. Central on Zoom. And all of the details, you, all of the links are in the show notes. If you are interested in joining, we would love to meet you and we'd love to just kind of open up this conversation. We want to remove some of those barriers. We want to really facilitate a non-judgmental, open and supportive circle for fertility awareness educators. So if that's what you're looking for, we would love to have you.